We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, Colts Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Bring the Juice. Welcome to episode five of our mini-series. This is the final episode of this quarterback mini-series. And today, we're going to be breaking down Tennessee quarterback Hendon Hooker. Of course, I'm with my guy Landon from the Blue Stable. And guys, uh, I mean, this is a very interesting prospect because, I mean, Landon just literally, what, three months ago? I mean, the majority of a lot of people in the country thought this guy might potentially be the best quarterback in the nation the way that he was playing with Tennessee. Tennessee was riding high. Uh, they beat Alabama in that stunning uh, game where Hendon Hooker just seemed like he couldn't miss. Him and Jalen Hyatt were just on a whole nother level. Uh, Hendon Hooker just had some unbelievable stats going. Tennessee was just the underdog riding that ship. And then sure enough, late in the season, he uh, tore, what was it, the ACL or the Achilles? It was the ACL. ACL. Okay. Just want to make sure I get that right because I I forget that. But yeah, the ACL. So, you know, he may miss part of, you know, the beginning of the season or at least going into training camp potentially. Well, Uh, so so here's something on that, though. So he was actually one of the guys I actually got to sit down and talk to at the Senior Bowl. So we had some pretty good conversations there. He's actually targeting the beginning of March. Or, or, you know, probably right around now to the beginning of March, whenever he can start running again. Huh. So from what he told me, he should be ready to go for training camp. Really? So he is he is ahead of schedule is what you're basically yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's coming directly from him. Huh. So like I said, I don't know. Obviously, you know, he, he's not the team doctors. He's not going to be the one that makes that decision, you know, you know, should it come. But, you know. From talking to him at the Senior Bowl, he is ahead of schedule. He's on track to be ready to get some work in in training camp. And uh, like I said, he he said he was going to start, you know, doing some jogging and running here in, in the next few weeks. Which you know, a couple weeks ago, that was right around now to the beginning of March. Gotcha. Okay, so that's cool. That's very cool. I mean, obviously, that will help him in the process if he's able to, you know, start getting. Uh, 
being able to move around a lot better by the time, you know, pro days come around and maybe he's able to, you know, show a case of maybe a few things uh, from that aspect. And of course, yeah, if he's ahead of schedule, that could really help draft stock with whatever team decides to take a chance on him. But Landon, I mean, this was a, this is a wild guy because, you know, nobody was talking about him going into the season. And then of course, you know, we went from, Someone people were occasionally talking about. Nobody really knew who he was until Tennessee started winning all these games. They beat Alabama. Hendon Hooker, best quarterback in the NFL or college, I'm sorry. And then, uh, you know, ends up getting the ACL injury. And now people are questioning who's going to end up drafting him. I mean, what have, what have you taken away from watching Hendon Hooker all season and the, the extreme highs to the extreme lows that he's occurred? Yeah, well, really, I mean, it, it's tough to kind of evaluate just because of the offense he plays in, and we'll have some examples. So as far as looking at how the stuff he does translates to the NFL, it's very muddy. You know, you're not going to see a lot of NFL concepts, a lot of NFL reads, a lot of NFL throws in general. But, you know, uh, on the flip side, you know, he does possess some some physical tools to work with. You know, he seems to be a very, you know, smart kid. So this isn't necessarily saying he can't do those things, just that whenever you watch the college film, it's not there. So we, we kind of want to preface this video with that. Um, this isn't the inability to do it. We just don't know yet, which is why it was really unfortunate for him to have that ACL injury, because to me, the senior bowl was going to be the biggest indicator of me of where he is as an NFL prospect, because you get down to the senior bowl, you're getting coached by NFL teams. You're running a lot of NFL style plays. And that's just something he didn't do in college. Um, but you know, there's things to like for sure. And there's things to not like for sure. I think, as far as the way he kind of exploded onto the scene, it, it really more or less has to do with the numbers they were able to put up there. So, you know, you see the explosive numbers, you see the box scores, you know, you, you see the success that Tennessee had as a team. And for the everyday fan, you look at that and you're like, oh man, like this guy's got to be awesome. He's going to be awesome, like, you know, great. But then once you kind of really dig into it, you talk to some people you watch the film as far as evaluating, as far as how he translates to the NFL level, it tells a kind of a different story. Yeah. I mean, we were talking what in the Will Levis episode about people who stated that, you know, the numbers weren't great and that's, you know, a negative indication on Will Levis. Well, it's kind of the opposite for Hendon Hooker. I mean, it's, uh, even though we think Will Levis is definitely, further along in development of understanding an NFL scheme, Hendon Hooker's just the opposite. We don't know if he's a, a, even developed into an NFL scheme or if he will be able to very well, but the numbers in college were so great that everyone just kind of ignores that and just says, oh, he's playing amazing. That must mean he's really, really good. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of the you know opposites of each other, which is pretty. Yeah, he very much. Yeah, that's a good point. He very much is the anti Will Levis. Like you, you know, if you don't like Will Levis, there's a good chance you're gonna love him. To hook it. <laughs> and, and and so, um, like I said, whenever we're projecting these guys to the NFL level, we know that Will Levis can run an NFL offense. We know that he can handle the protection calls. He can handle 
you know, the pre-snap adjustments and the reads. Like, that's not something that's going to be foreign to him from the moment he steps on the field. Whereas Hendon Hooker, like I said, this isn't saying that he can't do it, but you just don't know if he can. So he could, you know, and especially at his age already, I believe he's going to be 26 during his rookie year. And whenever you have somebody that's as big of a question mark as far as understanding and being able to execute NFL concepts and NFL throws at that age, you know, it it just kind of creates a little bit of the unknown. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I wonder, um, and you can probably tell me about this because I'm sure you probably have uh, seen film on Malik Willis. I thought that Hendon Hooker and Malik Willis were both kind of these one-read system quarterbacks from the offenses that they ran in college. I know they stated that about Liberty. I'm not 100% sure whether you agreed with that or not, but I felt like Hendon Hooker and Malik Willis kind of had the same similar offensive identity where normally it's a one read or if that one reads not there, the second reads always open that sort of thing, which I always hated uh, when people put Stroud in that argument because Stroud is anything but that. But I mean, what do you think when it comes to how Malik Willis and Hendon hooker played with their offenses? One, like, uh, I think we need to acknowledge they're very different prospects just because yeah. of the, you know, the body type, the athleticism. And I do think Hendon Hooker is further along, a lot further along as a passer than Malik Willis is. Mm-hmm. Now, he's not as explosive as a runner, but um, as far as like their offenses, doing a lot of the heavy lifting for them. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I, I think that's very similar in a way and especially too, like you know they run this you know art briles veer and shoot run and shoot type of offense and you know you have a lot of wide receiver choice option routes in these offenses and that's almost something you never see at the nfl level so what it does is in the hooker instead of throwing with anticipation instead of throwing to a spot and kind of similar to malik willis you're letting your wide receiver make the read as far as playing off of the DB's, you know, leverage, whether, you know, he's lined up inside, lined up outside, lined up deep, and he's making the choice or the, you know, he has the option to run three or four different routes based on how the DB's lined up. So what Hendon Hooker is basically being asked to do is the drop back, set in the pocket, 
wait for his wide receiver to get open and to read the the coverage and make the correct route, and then he's just throwing to the open guy. Yeah, so again, we'll uh, go ahead and break this film down, kind of show a little bit of what is going on with Hendon Hooker here. Now, again, for people who kind of really like Hendon Hooker, again, you may see some more negatives in this film session than what there has been with some of the other prospects we've had. Um, again, just Landon was talking with me about it earlier. It's just simply about how the scheme works with this uh, Tennessee offense that kind of makes it a little bit more difficult to elaborate on things that might translate to the NFL level. But we'll go ahead and hop into this first play here. I think this is from uh, 2021. Uh, this one, just a simple go route. I think this is for Jalen Hyatt and you know, Hendon just misses him here. I mean, this is just a blown coverage by Georgia completely misses him. I mean, this is a touchdown if he nails this throw and it's just a little overthrown. I mean, at the end of the day, Landon, I mean, you know, you miss it. That happens every once in a while, but you know, you need those kinds of throws. Yeah. So like, you know, this is from 2021. I kind of wanted to showcase a little bit of like what he's going to be dealing with in the NFL as far as playing an NFL caliber defense. But the way this offense is, and you can kind of see like the wide splits, which I like, you know, as far as like in college, but you're not going to see a lot of this in the NFL. You're not going to have these guys in that much space because, you know, the, the field and the hash marks are different. Um, so you're, you're getting kind of different looks here that he's going to be asked to run in the NFL. But when I'm looking at this, this is something that whenever he's on and he's able to throw in rhythm, he can deliver a really good deep ball but it's just not consistent. And you you heard it a lot throughout the college season. It's like, he's the best deep ball thrower in college. Well, when I, Whenever I was watching the film, I saw a lot of misses deep as well. So it's very inconsistent. It's up, it's down. Whenever he's on rhythm, he's able to, you know, get get his feet set and, and make the throw. Yeah, he, he can deliver the ball with accuracy. He has really good arm strength. You know, he's able to push the ball down the field. Now, is it like that elite level arm that you're going to see from guys like Richardson, guys like Levis? Uh, you know, no, it, it's not because you kind of see, even in that, you see how the ball kind of disappears from the, you know, the frame and then kind of drops back down. You know, some of those elite level arm strength guys, you know, they make this throw and it's just kind of a straight line, you know, a, a dart and. What I really kind of wanted to focus on here is not necessarily the offense, you know, as far as, you know, the guys running wide open, it's it's a blown coverage. There's a lot of arena football elements to this offense. But we, we kind of wanted to focus more on, you know, the footwork, the accuracy, the arm strength, kind of, kind of that kind of stuff um, that we can really kind of look at. And you see here, you know, his, his heels are off the ground. He's toesy. Uh, you know, he, he takes that little hop there and then j just misses. And he is one of, to me, he has like the most polished footwork out of all the guys in this class. So this isn't really something that I'm worried about. It's just more of like an inconsistent thing. You just have to get it there consistently. But he does have very good footwork, very good pocket presence. He's His base is a little wide, you know, as opposed to some other guys. So that can kind of throw things off occasionally. But, um, you know, this is just a play 
that I just wanted to showcase as far as, you know, you see some of the inconsistencies and we'll, and we'll go to a hit later on in this film where you, you do kind of see him get his feet in the ground. He throws with riddle. He hits a beautiful deep ball. So mm-hmm. like I said, I just want to preface the video with saying like, Hey, this isn't all negative stuff. The film is just film. And this isn't an indication that he can't do stuff. It's just that we don't know. And it's, he's a little bit more of a project than what people who look at the numbers, you know, think it is. Yeah, absolutely agree with you. And then this one, um, yeah, yeah, this one is just going to be a simple uh, curl route here. It's basically just these three down below are just decoys, and Hendon's just going to look straight to his right. It's one, uh, one on one. Just they they've pre planned it. He is going to this curl route on the outside of the right from the very beginning of this play. If it wasn't open, then I don't know what they do after it. Uh, what do you want to explain this one, Landon? What was going through the minds of this here? Yeah. So, so this play uh, kind of highlights what I was saying about the offense. And, you know, you see pre-play, you know, he's getting the call in for the adjustment from the sideline. So he's not being asked to diagnose pre-snap to make the adjustment himself. He's able to, you know, you see everybody looks at the coaches the coaches relay that information to him. All he's got to do is just change it at the line. So he's not having to make the adjustments pre-snap. This is a completed pass. And, you know, I, this is also too, like, I want to kind of focus, like you see that footwork there as far as, you know, it, you know, all, all his cleats are in the ground. He has a really good base. He's able to, you know, he gets lined up and he's able to throw this ball accurately. But if we go back as far as, you know, the, the other angle there, you can kind of see what I was talking about as far as wide receiver choice routes. So you're not going to see a lot of anticipation in this throw. So, you know, he's waiting for his wide receiver to make the break and to make the choice on whether he's going to continue going deep. He's going to, you know, cut it off and come back and make that curl route that he ends up making. But he basically has to stand there and wait for his wide receiver to make the choice. And then once he sees that, he is able to throw the ball. But there's no anticipation there. You know, it, it's an accurate throw. He has a really good base. He has a really smooth throwing motion. Like he is, he's very smooth. And that's something I really like about him. But you're not, this stuff doesn't translate to the NFL because you, you, you wait that long to throw and you don't have that elite arm talent, you know, to where you can push the ball into tight windows on a consistent basis. This is probably going for a pick six the other way in the NFL. Um, and this just kind of what I wanted to show is like, it's an incompletion. He does things good on this play, but there's also a lot of unknown on this play because it's a completion in college, but it's probably, you know, you're not going to see that at the NFL level. Yeah. I mean, do you think that hinders his development or do you think that it's like, cause I wonder why that is that Tennessee ran an offense like this with a quarterback that you know, is capable of doing so many things, but yet was just, I don't know why it is. I wonder if they thought that he really isn't that developed and that this is the best that he can do, or if it's just a fault on the offensive staff for not adjusting to how well, no, they- I mean, I don't, I don't think it's any of that. I don't think it's an indictment on Hendon Hooker and his ability at all. Really? Look, whenever you're in college and you're at the college level, what's a coach's most important job? To win football games. So you're going to design an offense around what you feel is the best way to win football games. Tennessee obviously did that, you know, especially before the injury. Um, they were, 
they're one of the top 10 ranked teams in the country. So, you know, they're not really necessarily concerned about, you know, the NFL or anything like that. They're trying to win football games. And this offense to them, and we saw how explosive it was and how successful it was throughout the season, it's, you know, it translates to, to great, you know, football plays and a lot of scoring. And, you know, that that's what their job is. So, um, you know, it'll be up to the NFL coaches at the next level to get him prepared to play in the NFL. You know, but that's not the college football coach's jobs. You think that ends up hurting his development at all by being in that kind of offense? You know, I know, obviously, like colleges, uh, you know, are only focusing on themselves currently. But, you know, I, I wonder, like, you know, being in that kind of offense with that kind of tendency and, you know, being I just wonder if it puts him further behind, like you said, like putting him further behind than what some people might realize. Do you think that really does hurt his development being in this? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's no question because like I, you know, stated before and we've talked about, he's not being asked to make a lot of NFL reads. He's not being asked to make, you know, protection calls and to make pre-snap adjustments and post-snap reads where he's, you know, having to go through his progressions. You don't see that in this type of offense. Now, this once again, does that mean he can't do it? No. But it just means he has a little bit further along to get there and especially like I said at his age if you're already going to be 26 years old as a rookie and you still have to develop the mental side of playing in the NFL, because I think physically he's well built for it. You know, good stature, six foot five, mobile, has a good arm, mm-hmm. has a really good base. You know, he's further along as far as his physical development and his footwork and that type of stuff. But it's the mental part of the game that he's going to have to catch up with that. So does that mean he can't do it? No, once again, but he is a little further behind some of the other guys like, you know, Bryce Young, even CJ Stroud, you know, because like you said, they put that iota on Ohio State quarterbacks a lot. There's a lot of just one read throw to wide open guys. And that was the case in the Urban Meyer offense. But like we talked about in our CJ Stroud breakdown, Ryan Day does put a lot more NFL style concepts in the way he runs his offense as compared to Ohio state's offense in the past. So yeah, as far as, you know, his development of playing in an NFL style system, he probably is the most raw quarterback mentally at this point, Um, which, which, and that might not even be true. So I don't really want to put that on him because like I said, we don't know. So he could get into an NFL team, which is why it sucked so bad for him to miss the senior bowl, because you weren't able to see that pre-draft. So, yeah, he could get into an NFL system. He could be one of the smartest guys, you know, in in the league. And he could really, you know, catch on quick and catch fire. But is, is it just like this slam dunk thing that people think it is where it's like, hey, you know, he look at the numbers he put up at Tennessee. He's going to there's no way you know, he's quarterback two or quarterback three in the draft. And it's just a little bit more of a muddier situation than that. I absolutely agree with you on that. But let's kind of get to uh, a play here that actually showcases a really great throw here by Hendon Hooker. Um, now, tell me, what kind of defense are we seeing here? Because I'm looking at it. I might see a cover one, but is this more like a cover two? 
Well, really, so so pre-snap, you're obviously you're seeing middle field close there. So that's you know it, it is either going to be cover one, um, especially with the DBs lined up in man right there. So you can kind of see um, everybody's manned up, cover one man. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's very simple pre you know pre-snap to see kind of what that is. And at this point, you know he's just able to. You know, if you're able to hold that safety a little bit, which you can kind of see the safety drifting back some, but with the ball location and, you know, the, this is kind of what I was saying as far as his footwork goes, um, this, this phenomenal footwork, it's phenomenal base. There's no hitch. You know, he hits that, puts that back foot in the ground there. He's not up on his toes and he's able to fire that thing in there. And, and like, that's a really, really impressive throw. And one of the things I think he does really well is like we talked about, he's probably has the best footwork uh, outside of Bryce Young, uh, you know, as any quarterback in this draft. And that's something obviously you want to see whenever you have a guy at that advanced age who's played college football, uh, you know, the amount of time he has. But, you know, it's still there. And whenever you're able to put this ball on a rope, fit that in, you know, over two different guys and, you know, it really seems like the safety doesn't think he can make this far of a throw because he's playing up so far and he waits so long to get out of his break that, you know, by, by that time, his wide receiver, you know, they give him a free release. And that's something, too, whenever you're evaluating like Jalen Hyatt or some of these, you know, the Tennessee guys, um, they're not going to get a lot of these free releases yeah. and these wide splits that they got in, you know, college, you know, NFL teams it's a different level of athlete and it's a different level of coverage they see. So credit, you know, to Tennessee's coaching staff for recognizing the talent they have and putting them in the best position to succeed and to win games. But, you know, it, it just kind of, like I said, muddies things, but as far as the throw goes, this is phenomenal. It's, it's a great throw. He shows touch. He shows deep ball accuracy. He shows great base, great awareness as far as knowing, where that safety is at, and he's able to, you know, put that throw on the money. And, you know, that that stuff does translate. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, like you said, it, it's a bad look in the sense that the defense was lined up uh, like basically 10 yards off of the fastest, best wide receiver on the field and allowed him to just get a free release. And, I mean, when you look at just – Jalen Hyatt out of this. I mean, he beats him from the moment that that corner turns his hips. I mean, Hyatt hasn't beat. I mean, it, there's just no stopping it. And so I think it's it stinks that LSU's defense did a disservice in the rep that Hendon Hooker did a good job. I mean, he looks to his right, which you know, if you're if you're seeing a single high safety look, then that's exactly what you want to see from Hendon Hooker. He's looking one way. He he's expecting to go to the left, but he looks to the right first, and then that'll get Hyatt some extra room uh to be open up at the top. And I think that actually was a really great rep by Hendon Hooker. But like you said, I mean, <laughs> why why the receiver was completely let go. He was never touched ever. And that's, that's such a terrible rep by the LSU defense. Yeah. But I mean, at the same time though, like I do want to kind of want to play devil's advocate here. The the throws, the throw. So regardless of what rep the wide receivers making, regardless if he's wide open, kind of similar to the very first play we saw, regardless if he's wide open, you still have to be able to hit this throw. 
Right. And, you know, he, he does that. And so that's, you know, that's very positive. You see, and I love what I see as far as the footwork, the base, there's no hill click. He's just able to plant that foot and he knows, you know, he gets lined up correctly and he, this is a phenomenal throw. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. That, I think that was one of those throws where, you know, anybody, anybody that was watching college football at that point just knew Hendon Hooker had uh, something in him that was really good. Uh, let's go to, again, back to his uh, 2021 year. Uh, this one just ends up being an interception. Again, just looking off to the right side of the field. And, you know, first off of all things, uh, I mean, I assume in the NFL, this would get called a, uh, this would probably get called an illegal shift because this running back wasn't even set all the way by the time this ball's even hiked, uh, which kind of showcase, I know that Tennessee's system, they like to be, uh, fast paced. They want to get going to get defenses to not be able to adjust so they could hit you with something really quickly. Uh, but I think that's something that will definitely need to be worked on is the timing thing with Hendon Hooker, uh, just allowing his team to be able to get set before the ball gets there. But this is just a bad throw here uh, by Hendon Hooker. What did you see? Yeah, well, really, you know, this is kind of what I was going back for. Uh, you know, you see the footwork here. And this is like one of the most, I guess, like, I don't want to say like bad plays because there are like there's bad interceptions there's a bad interception but you can kind of see you know he does have even you know look at how wide that base is when he hits his drop back um if you're able to pause it there like this is like that right there like well not that but a little bit before that like that's very oh right here yeah like that like yeah like that's very 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 wide ending yeah and and then you kind of see this is probably you know he has a little bit of a hill click but if you kind of watch how he bounces up and you see that little bounce up Mm -hmm. that he makes with his, you know, his shoulder, his head kind of go up. And then you see that ball go up with him. So it's just about having the consistency and, you know, really this kind of showcases as well, you know, he's throwing to a side, you know, that's something you want to see post snap where you're looking at it and you're like, Hey, there's, you know, there's three guys over there. I only have two guys. You probably don't want to attack that side of the field. Um, and you know, it's very much a one read thing whenever you look and you would like to see him get off of that look by recognizing those coverages post snap. And he has a guy wide open running there in the middle of the field that you'd like to see him get through his progressions and hit this guy. Um, you know, so you'd want to see that ball thrown with anticipation right through the middle because you never want to attack a side of the field where, you know, there's more DBs over there, you know, than, than there are. Um, you know, wide receivers. So, This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, it definitely was a weird throw because I just don't. Yeah, he definitely left that way too high. 
like you said, just if he were able to go through his progressions, yeah, seeing that receiver go into the middle of the field, I mean, that's why. Yeah, yeah, and and I want to, like, say this, too. Like, this isn't necessarily about the interception. Like, I mean, he he threw five – it's like 58 touchdowns to five interceptions in the last two years. So he doesn't make a lot of interceptions. I'm not – I'm not focusing on the interception. That's not what worries me about this play. It's more about the base, you know, getting through your progressions and and going through and making that decision post snap to say, Hey, I don't like this look out here. I don't like the, you know, the way this defense is lined up. Let me get through my reads because he has time. And, you know, you want to make sure, you know, you get through your reads and hit that open guy with anticipation in the middle of the field. Right. All right, let's go on to another play against Georgia. You got a bunch of these for us today. Uh, This one is going to end up being a completed catch here to the outside, but there's a lot to break down with this one, uh, Landon. uh, From, I mean, obviously doesn't have a great feel for the pressure that's coming off the left side. Uh, He's lucky to get this ball off in the first place. And actually it almost, it actually does get impeded on a little bit, but because of his arm strength, he was still able to get it to the receiver. But I look at this play land and I say, he's looking right here. And then if I re- get, this is a little bit like, look at like this corner is on the ground, almost on all fours. And Hyatt is right here. Just like, there is nobody within five yards of him, but yet he is staring down this wide receiver that you watch from the very beginning. Never is open. Never. And he still throws this up and he's just lucky that the corner fell. And I think, I don't remember if that was called pass interference or not on the offensive guy. It was. It was. Yes. Yeah, so it's like, you know, or no, I mean, it, no, it was called on the defense. Yeah, I thought they were going to call it on the defense one day. I know the corner was like, I'm on the ground, freaking call it. But either way, for me, I'm just thinking like, man, if he didn't, if he didn't look away, this is the easy route in the middle of the field. And he just chose to make the the hardest throw possible. Yeah, but so to me, like, I actually think this is a really positive rep. I, I really like what I see here from him. And, you know, I'm never going to fault the quarterback for passing up a one-on-one matchup with your favorite guy. Like, you see how he kind of looked that safety off there at the beginning of the snap, and then he goes – I mean, look, he's trying to hit a play. He's trying to make a play. And if you have a guy on the outside that you believe in, you know, I'm never going to be mad at you taking a shot one-on-one, you know, with with one of your best receivers. Now – yeah, did he, you know, could he have passed up an open guy? Sure, but, you know, he's he's trying to make a play down the field. He's trying to get points for his team. He's throwing it to a guy that he trusts to win that one-on-one matchup. So that doesn't – like, I'm not worried about that at all. And to me, as well, his calmness in the pocket under pressure. You know, you, you say, you know, he doesn't really have a good feel for it. I think this is a great feel for it because you're able to stand tall, you know, this that's what the NFL is about. Like that is what you're going to see in the NFL. They call it throwing from a phone booth. You're going to have to throw in those tight pockets like that. And this is an NFL rep. And he's able to layer that ball, you know, look off that safety enough to where it gives him a little bit of time to make that throw and hold the, you know, the way that safety can't come over there and make a play on the ball. 
And yeah, cornerback falls down, pass interference. It is what it is. But the ball location where he places that ball is perfect, right in between you know the cornerback and the safety. His ability to throw and be calm in a very tough situation in the pocket is very positive. His base, you know, his footwork is really good here. Um, there's a lot to like about this play. And like I said, I'm never going to fault a guy. You know, if if you believe in your guy on the outside and you want to make a deep, you know, take a deep shot and let your guys go make plays because that's what this game is about. It's about getting the ball in the hands of your playmakers. And, you know, yeah, you might have passed up an easier throw. And maybe in the future – that could have been something they looked at. It's like, hey, you got something really easy here. He's wide open. He's able to get yards after the catch. You know, we'd like to see you hit this in the future, but I'm never going to, you know, knock a quarterback for taking a shot to one of his guys in a one-on-one matchup. Do you think that the extra, like, little pump fake was necessary? Because, I mean, I definitely see, you know, he's doing more another one of those uh, thrusts that we saw from, uh, the last rep where, you know, he threw the interception, it almost got him sacked. So, you know, I'm just like, I wonder if that was necessary to be able to, I pro- it probably was because his receiver probably needed a little bit of extra time to get open. Am I right? Well, no, I mean, it's not really necessary at all. And it's something that you would like to see cleaned up, but it's very minimal. Um, you would like to see him, you know, let that ball go with a little bit more anticipation, but at the end of the day, you know, he's able to stand in tall, under pressure, throw in a phone booth in a tight pocket, keep calm, and deliver an accurate ball. Um, and that's really what it's about. Gotcha. All right. Uh, now, I think this is the last one that we got here. And this one kind of shows the mobility of the Hendon Hooker that we've seen. And it's been more adamant from this year specifically. Uh, I don't know. I, I will see if, you know, Hendon Hooker ever gets back to this kind of mobility again. Uh, if he does, then absolutely awesome. I mean, this is a this is a clip that, like, shows you, hey, like, you know, I might be, you know, more known for my throwing, but, you know, if I can make plays like this every once in a while, Landon, I mean, it definitely adds another dimension to his game. Yeah, yeah, this is, a, like, extremely positive, especially to you. Like I, like I said, you see him one of the things I really like about Hendon Hooker is he's very cool and calm and collected in the pocket. You never see him panic. And that's something you're going to have to have at the next level. And, you know, at his size, you know, to be, you know, six, five, two, you know, 15, two twenty, uh, you know, to have that athleticism to, you know, break off a tackle that, you know, that's a defensive lineman that gets his hands on him there. And he's able just to kind of like, you know, rip through that, you know, contact, get out on the run. And then, you know, to make this cut there, to make that guy miss, to make another guy miss. And then he's kind of off to the races and he might not have that breakaway speed, you know, Lamar Jackson, Anthony Richardson, like those type of guys have, but he, he's very mobile and he's able to make plays with his legs. And, you know, one of the things I would like to see from him more is whenever he does, because it seems like whenever that option to throw isn't there, instead of getting out of the pocket and creating as far as a passer, you know, you see, you know, your Bryce Youngs, Will Levis. Um, I mean, all these guys, even CJ Shroud, all four of the top main guys, even when they're out of the pocket, they keep their eyes up. They're able to look downfield and make a throw. And while that's not really the case on this one, 
you know, that's something I did notice in the film is like, he's very much like if he gets out of the pocket, he's running like hundred, like hundred percent. You're not going to see him really keep his eyes down the field and go to make a throw if he gets out of that pocket. So that's something that I would really like to see developed in his game. Cause I think he has that ability for sure to make creative plays and to do that. And he's put it on tape a couple of times. So you see it a couple of times throughout the season. So, you know, he can do it. It's just getting it there consistently. But as far as this play goes, you know, like I said, the ability to stay calm, stay collected within a tight pocket, to rip through that defensive tackle, to go out and make a plays and not only make one guy miss, but make multiple guys miss. Um, you know, that's that's some really special stuff from him there. And you want to, you know, ACL injuries are not what they were in the past. They're not the death sentence that they were. So the fact that he's already this far along, he's getting ready to start running. Uh, I think it bodes well for him to have full recovery. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, with the mobility thing, yeah. I mean, unless it's a designed uh, rollout, then yeah, you're right. He tends to have that idea of just rather run than look down the field for other things. But how do you think that's going to fare for him with the fact that the ACL is, you know, recovering very well and, you know, by midsummer, this guy may probably already be back to almost a hundred percent. Do you think that really boosts his uh, potential of getting drafted, you know, either potentially late first, early second? Do you think somebody's going to do that? Or do you think that this guy's still a little further behind because of that missed time with the ACL? No, I mean, I don't, I don't really think it hinders him at all because like I said, he's already further along in his development as far as, you know, the ACL injury than you thought he would be. So if, you know, if he's running and he's able to, you know, do some stuff by training camp and he's able to get out there on the field, I don't really see it being much of an issue at all. I think, you know, there's a shot that, you know, obviously the age factor plays into this as well. And then, you know, the mental development as far as, you know, can he run and execute those NFL style concepts? To me, that kind of, pushes him further out of that first round conversation than, you know, the ACL injury does. But, you know, I think there's a lot to like on the film. I think there's, you know, some stuff he's got to clean up, some stuff he has to work on. But, you know, if you can get past the age, if you can get past the ACL injury, and you know, you're able to draft this guy because he does have a lot of really enticing physical tools. Uh, He's already further along as a passer as far as his base, his accuracy, Uh, you know, that kind of stuff goes, you know, then more of the raw guys like, you know, Will Levis and Anthony Richardson. So he's already further along than those guys are in that aspect. You know, he's also quite a bit older than those guys. (laughs) But, uh, um, but like I said, if you're able to kind of look past the age, I, I think he could be a really good quarterback if you're able to kind of take your time, be patient as he learns these NFL style concepts and offenses and, you know, he has all the physical tools to be successful. And he even some of the mental stuff he shows as far as, you know, he's always, like I said, he, he has the best ability outside of Bryce Young in this class to stay calm and collected in the pocket and to not freak out. And just, you know, that goes a long way in the NFL. So I think there's definitely a path forward for success here for him. I just think he's not this slam dunk you know, look at the box score, look at the numbers this guy put up, you know, prospect that people think. So you're going to have to be patient. But, you know, if you're able to get him in the second, third round, 
and let him set for a year, you know, fully heal from that ACL, take reps in an NFL style system, you know, in practice and, and in camp and all that kind of stuff for, for a year or so. I think it can pay dividends for a team. I think he can be a really good starter in the NFL. Now, I don't think he has the upside that maybe some of the other guys have, you know, as far as being, you know, a top 10 quarterback. But I think you can you can win games with him and Hooker as your quarterback. And it'll be interesting to see where he ends up in this draft. But that's going to do it for this one, guys. And that is it. That is the end of our quarterback miniseries. Uh, breaking down these five quarterbacks. I want to give a special shout out to you, Landon. Uh, without you, this uh, doesn't happen without the film and being able to break things down. Uh, I greatly appreciate you helping me with this project. Uh, and hopefully we can do more of this stuff throughout the off season and maybe even after the draft when, uh, when the Colts actually get their quarterback. And then we can kind of see what would be good and what be bad, what would be bad about having them in our system. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, thanks for having me on. I always enjoy doing this type of stuff. I love watching film and, you know, breaking down these quarterbacks and not even just quarterbacks, but just players in general. So I know I haven't really done a lot of other players, you know, I've been more focused on offensive line and quarterback because that's kind of the biggest need that I see that the Colts have. So that's really where my focus is, but uh, I'm excited for this combine for sure, because a lot, can change after this combine and you know you're going to see you know some guys rise some guys fall um nothing's set in stone right now so that's why it's so fun doing this a little bit early because it gives you a little peek into what these guys can do as far as the film goes but then once these meetings happen the combine happens you know measurements happen you know you you never know what you know will happen over the next couple months so it's exciting. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate, you know, the support that you showed the Blue Stable and all of us as well. So, um, yeah, we've had a we've had a great time. Absolutely. Let us know your guys' thoughts. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. And as always, guys, go Colts. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.